Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bills here to cover everything Badgers. And thankfully, we're talking about a Badgers win first. Going to Penn State against the number 20 team, the Badgers came out with a victory. Really, it was a solid defensive performance, held Penn State to just 49 points. Final score was 58-49 if you didn't catch it. And from the last game before that, the, you know, the Illinois game to this one, it was it looked like a completely different team, which we had saw over that winning streak. Uh, so a lot of fun to talk about. And then, of course, they've got another big one coming up tomorrow night, or I guess tonight, if you're listening to it when it's released, uh, against the Maryland Terrapins at the Kohl Center. So exciting stuff. It's Big Ten play. It's, this this college basketball season in general has been wacky, but, yeah, a lot of fun. So, Matt, how are we doing tonight? You ready to talk some hoops and then a little football at the end? Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, a little behind the scenes action. We got the national championship tonight, so um, I'm excited to watch that get a nice culmination to the college football season. Although it's it's going to be tough to kind of have to pour one out for football to be gone, other than the NFL, because college football I know is just kind of my favorite to watch uh, throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, only uh, four game four football games left, and if that doesn't get you. In the fields, nothing will uh, for football fans. But there, four should be good ones. And for a lot of Badger fans, your hopefully your NFL team is still playing. If you're also a Packer fan, if not, I apologize. But uh, go Pack Go next Sunday in San Francisco. So exciting time to to have a dog in the fight still uh, for us. But uh, you can't beat the national championship, especially two two undefeated teams really talented so i'm i'm very much looking forward to the the final game of this college football season yeah for sure and you know and that basketball game while it was pretty ugly at the beginning i think both teams were were zero zero from basically tip until i think it was like 13 minutes left in the first half it, it, the badgers were played back to their strength and really played to their game for that win and it was exciting to see yeah, that was exciting, and thankfully the Badgers, like you said, got back into the win column. It was a much-needed win. You looked at that Illinois game, and you, you obviously a one-point loss, a tough one at home. Now you got to go back on the road. You're thinking, uh-oh, we we dropped one that we we really kind of needed in terms of you know both Big Ten play and tournament play. But then you come back out, you refocus, kind of clean up some things that you saw in that Illinois game, cleaned it up for this Penn State game, and. Really, it was a completely different uh, game on the road, and and so far these Badgers have kind of proven to be road warriors, which is which is not their usual mo. So, well, how big of a win was it in general, and in how good is it to see, you know, the Badgers get back in the win column, but also how important was it after dropping a game like Illinois? Yeah, I, I think it was vital that they won that game. I, I kind of talked about last time in the pod about how this stretch was going to be key for them against Penn State, Maryland, and then going on the road against Michigan State. Those That's three straight ranked opponents, uh, two of which are going to be on the road to, to get probably the easiest of them, at least talent-wise. Penn State is the least talented of, the, of those uh, trio of schools. 
But to get that win, kind of give yourself some confidence, a nice jolt back from uh, that Illinois loss was was vital and crucial going moving forward. Because, I mean, even Illinois is showing that they're, they're no paper tiger. They went out and beat Rutgers uh, as well this weekend. So they're for real. They're playing some really good hoops. Uh, the Badgers just kind of let that game slip away. But it was this game was the complete opposite. Wisconsin kind of jumped on. Penn State early and just eventually just kind of continued to step on the throat and, and took care of business instead of faltering down the stretch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the defense was finally, not finally, because obviously they'd been playing great defense those last four games, but it all kind of refocused and came back and, and they were able to put together a, a really impressive defensive effort. Obviously for Penn State, I know, you know Penn State fans would probably say, well, a lot of our shots just weren't falling. And that's true. I didn't look at the numbers. I can pull it up here, but they did not shoot well by any stretch of the imagination. They yeah, they were shot... 32%. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So that's not going to get it done. 23% from three. So while the Badgers played pretty quality defense, it was it was a struggle for Penn State on the offensive side, but it really it was a struggle for both teams. Just trying to trying to put the ball in the basket was was a very tough task for both teams involved in this game. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's how Wisconsin's been winning it during that stretch of four wins and then also teetering back into this Penn State game. It's not been like all of a sudden the buckets are falling. Wisconsin hasn't still gotten hot from shoot from shooting. It's that hasn't been it. They only shot 40 percent in this game, 28 percent from three point line. And for some reason, they couldn't make their free throws in that game either. But the defense has really been their calling card. And I think Greg Gard has really done a nice job of helping this team understand that that's the way that they're going to have to win. They're going to have to win ugly. They're going to have to win on the boards. They're going to have to not make uh, silly, silly fouls. I thought uh, there was a lot of fouls in this game. Um, but I mean, just for them to, to really hit the boards on the offensive boards, they got nine offensive rebounds, those extra possessions, the extra shots, uh, in the end, really helped them. And then just the lockdown defense. Lamar Stevens is one of the best players in the conference. Uh, I know he got his 19 points, but man, oh man, he's usually a guy who, if if he is on, they're really, really good. And, and Myron Jones only got seven points, and he's been averaging double figures as well. Yeah, 19 points, and he played pretty much the entire game. So to hold him under 20 is... I know it sounds like a lot, but for a guy like that, a pure scorer to to put he can put in buckets like it's nothing, and and easily rack up 25 points in a game. So to hold him under that, and it was a pretty solid defensive effort. Uh, on the offensive end, obviously the the really impressive player in this game was Micah Potter. We finally not finally he's been playing okay, but those first four games you could tell he was getting the rust off. The rest was fully off in this game. He really came out and, and showed in a big way and, and kind of, again, you, you think back to how good this team could have been at the beginning of the season with him in there and, and him finally finding trying to find his stride. But, I mean, a double-double, 24 points, 13 assists is just insane. He was knocking down threes. He was getting inside and banging on the, you know, the interior. How impressive was his game and, and how big is it going to be if you could get even, even half of that down the stretch here from Micah Potter? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 been huge since coming back. Wisconsin's obviously been a different team with him in the lineup. He's almost he's already up to the third highest scorer on the team with uh, averaging almost 10 points a game. You know, his presence inside with rebounding is is huge because Nate Reavers, for all of all intensive purposes, 
he's a really good scorer at times. He, he can go inside and outside, but he is more of a finesse big guy. He's not going to get dirty with the rebounds. And so you see instead Micah Potter a little bit broader in the shoulders, maybe not uh, exactly the same athlete that Reavers is, but man, he can get down there, get the rebounds. He can also mess some shots up with, with blocks. I think just that that duo of big guys to be able to have kind of a pulley method to have Reavers out there for a little bit, then Potter minutes are going to be handicapped nicely is is big because they bring a lot to the the court when they're out there. And I think eventually I'm hopeful that they they can get to a point where they're going to be on the court a little bit more together because it's it is hard to take two really good big men off the court. Um, even though I know that that's kind of limiting when on the defensive end, because a lot of teams go with like a stretch four or uh, more of uh, a three guard lineup. So they don't necessarily go as big as Wisconsin would be with those two guys on the court. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how they can keep, you know, finessing to try and five, not find not necessarily the best five, but the five that really gels together. And if they could find a way, you know, to get your, your two, Probably not, not necessarily the most consistent, but but really dominating offensive players on the court at the same time. It'd be interesting to watch because Micah Potter and, and Nate Reavers, like you said, they, they do a lot of different things, similar in size and, and stature, but uh, very different basketball you know games for for each of them. So it'll be interesting to see how those two kind of get worked in together and, and how this kind of plays out down the season and, and of course, in Big Ten play. Speaking of Big Ten play, what do you, what do you make of this conference right now? Because Ohio State, you know, coming into this week was one of the highest ranked Big Ten teams, and they are dead last in the Big Ten standings right now. So that that to me kind of paints a picture of of how wacky this conference is, and really college basketball in general. But what do you make of of the Big Ten so far this season? Yeah, I mean, it is super topsy turvy. Uh, I kind of did the um, power rankings. That, today. And I mean, other than Northwestern, anybody can go out and beat anybody in a given night. We saw Nebraska go over and, and, and just win this past week over um, Iowa. And they've also have a win over Purdue and they're at the very bottom of the conference. And then obviously you, like you said, Ohio state with some big law with a huge, uh, I think that's four straight losses for them. Now, Michigan's been stumbling since beat coming out the gates with North Carolina and Gonzaga wins. And then, you know, Wisconsin has just been kind of all over the all over the board. But then you look at them and it's really no different than a lot of the other teams in the conference. So I, I think it's going to be a really, really weird year in the Big Ten. I think Michigan State's still the most talented team. They're trying to get some stuff going after just getting the blow, the doors blown off them by Purdue uh, on Sunday. But I'm, I'm interested to see what Maryland does with um, with Wisconsin. Maryland hasn't won a road game yet this year and for them to have to come into Madison, which hopefully um, it's going to be a nice atmosphere for that game. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for that one and to see what Wisconsin can do because they have a big opportunity to leapfrog some people if they were able to beat um, a tough Maryland team that I know when we were talking at the beginning of the year that we thought, hey, in preseason, they were going to be a team that was going to be up there and really competing. Um, but it, I mean, it's just been weird all over the place uh, in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, I, I like that you brought up that Maryland has has not won on the road because I'm looking at looking at the standings of this is just insane. I mean, the top five teams are either one loss or undefeated at home. The top seven, eight 
Uh, there's only two teams with more than more than one home loss, and that's like you said, Northwestern, who who's always kind of struggled with basketball, and Nebraska, who has really kind of fallen downhill these last couple of years after looking like they were trending in the right direction. So really, this conference is just just wacky. You know, teams winning at home and in pulling out tough games at home and then going on the road is just almost like an automatic loss for a lot of teams. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how this league plays out down the stretch. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to talk about at the end of that Wisconsin Penn state game, it was really interesting to watch who was on the court in crunch time. Uh, I, I obviously the, the um, staff looks at a lot of different analytics to help them make decisions and, and everything. But at the end of the game, they had, I think it was the last like three to five minutes, they had Trevor Anderson, Micah Potter, Tyler Wall, Brad Davison, and uh, out on the, and Kobe King out on the court. That was their, the five on the court. And that is not, I mean, that is, that is a three guys off your bench out on the court at the same time with Davison and King out there as well. It was, it was odd to see, but it worked. And um, I, I know Dimitri Trice will, was having a game that he probably would like to forget. And uh, so was Aleem Ford in a lot of ways, other than um, defensively, he had at times did a decent job on Lamar Stevens. But man, it was, it was wacky to see those guys on the court at the same time at the end of the game, but at the same time it worked. And those guys actually in the end had the, the best plus minus um, because of their efforts and, uh, I know Brad Davison played a lot more point guard in that game. So it, it's going to be um, a little interesting to see kind of how the Badgers do against Maryland with Anthony Cowan Jr., who I would assume Demetri Trice will be guarding. Yeah, that is going to be interesting to watch. I mean, you look at the the minutes played for, for the Badgers in that game. You know, Pritzel and Wall both put 19 down. Demetri Trice only played 13 minutes and, and barely got on the stat sheets with an assist. So that's just a... And you wouldn't expect that when you coming into the season, he was kind of your, you know, your your leader of of the team and someone that you expected to do really well. So I'm I'm really fascinated to see how this how this rotation plays out. And obviously that's up to Greg Gard, you know, getting things done and and finding the best five. But it's it's pretty interesting to watch. And I don't know what to make of it, but it's it's going to be fun to watch, especially tomorrow night in that game. Yeah, because I mean, you look back and. And it was just, uh, was it a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, where Trice was coming on and dropped 31 and then 21 for in back-to-back games. So it, this Badger team is super Jekyll and Hyde, and I'm interested to see kind of what they, if they're able to kind of figure out a rotation that works for them and and something to kind of glue together, because right now it's, it seems like uh, they're just trying to throw shrapnel in there and see what will work uh, on the defense and offensive end. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch how those five kind of kind of get worked together, and how you know Greg Gard finds the five that will work not only for the rest of the season, but in a game-to-game basis. And, and matchups obviously have a lot to do with that. But it's gonna be it's it's probably a good problem to have right now. You know, down the stretch when you need some depth, you're gonna have guys that have played a lot of minutes. So hopefully, hopefully you can take that you know that that confusion of rotating guys in and, and turn it into a positive down the season down the stretch. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this tomorrow before the Maryland game, so we'll get into that a little bit. What what do you think will be the Badgers' biggest maybe challenge in this game with this Maryland roster that that is pretty talented, but like you said, hasn't put it together on the road? Yeah, I mean, I think I think 
Maryland has some really talented players. You got Anthony Cowan Jr. You got Jalen Smith, two of the better plays, players in the league. I think it's going to come down to can Wisconsin slow down Anthony Cowan Jr. I like Wisconsin's bigs to kind of be able to hang with Jalen Smith as long as there's not crazy foul trouble. But Wisconsin has struggled at times with really talented guard play. You saw Ao Dasumu go off against Wisconsin for 18 points and really just kind of dictate that game in a lot of ways. Anthony Cowan Jr. is the exact type of player where he can dictate the flow of a game. Uh, Wisconsin, when they're they're constantly a man-to-man and they and they switch, it is hard to match up with a guy as quick as Cowan. Um, so I'm interested to see how they they match up with him. I'm guessing it'll be Trice. When Trice goes to the bench, maybe Kobe King. Um, he's a little big to be guarding him, but Wisconsin doesn't necessarily have the athletic guards. Brad Davison, great defender, but not necessarily against a really elite quick point guard. Um, Trevor Anderson still coming off that knee injury full, to get fully healthy. I wouldn't expect him to be the guy necessarily that you want on him. So that's the matchup I'm looking for. What are you What are you excited to watch? Yeah, that's that's going to be the one that I think everybody's going to have their eyes on because you kind of hit the nail on the head. He's averaging 16 a game, explosive guard that can get to the basket. And like you said, I don't I don't know if the Badgers outside of Trice have someone that can match up with him. So how many minutes he plays in this game is going to be a fascinating one. And and really, it's it's just a matter of which Maryland team shows up because you like we've already mentioned it already with with the road and home splits in this entire league. And Maryland's kind of been on the the worst end of that on the road. So how they come into the Kohl Center and respond to that environment is is going to be interesting because these two teams, since they've since Maryland has joined the Big Ten, have played in some really, really good games uh, at the Kohl Center. So it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to be there and to, to see how it unfolds. And I think I like Wisconsin's chance in it if, if they come out and they play good defense. That's what it's going to come down to in my eyes. Because when they're on the defensive end, they win. When they're not, when they give up 70 points and aren't able to kind of keep that team cohesion on the defensive end going, they struggle. And because they don't have the elite offensive players to, to win uh, games that are in shootout territory. That'll be fun to watch. Obviously, make sure you guys to tune in tomorrow night to the or tonight whenever you're listening to it. I keep saying that because we're recording on on Monday night with the national championship coming up. Uh, what time is the game tip? Is it eight tomorrow or tonight? Yep, yep. Okay. eight o'clock, and it'll be on ESPN two um, if you're not going. So um, give it a watch. Must see TV in the Big Ten. Obviously, Big Ten play is always exciting, and so far this conference has been incredibly unpredictable which which always makes it fun but you're hoping the Badgers can can pull it out uh, at home against the Maryland Terrapins now guys we're going to go ahead and kick it to a quick ad read and then we're going to get into a little bit of a a recap preview type thing we're going to start our first part of this series we're going to go through position by position similar to what we've seen on Bucky's fifth quarter.com with some articles if you've been reading up on those basically recapping the season at each position, what we're looking forward to next year, et cetera. And we're going to start with the quarterback position, which is obviously a hot topic uh, for, for all college football programs, but it's going to definitely be a topic for Wisconsin come spring practice and next fall. Here we're going to kick into a couple quick ads, and then we'll get into that. All right, guys, we're going to talk a little football now, and it starts our position preview spot is going to be the quarterback position. Obviously, this year... Uh, was was Jack Cohn's year, and I think coming into the season, a lot of people had their doubts, and and those kind of 
ebbed and flowed throughout the season. Uh, I think Jack didn't get enough credit for the season he had. But again, I, I'm I'm not one to just sit here and, and say everything's perfect because there were some times where you thought, what else could you get out of the quarterback position? So I'm interested to kind of get into this. But Matt, what were your kind of thoughts about uh, about the quarterback position this season at Wisconsin? Yeah, I thought I think it was fascinating to to kind of see the the general public's reaction back in fall camp and then kind of as the season progressed. A lot of people really wanted Graham Wirtz, you know, very talented coming off the All-American game, big huge four-star prospect, had his pick of his litter in terms of colleges and Jack Cohn's coming coming back uh, after, you know, having a fairly lackluster season um, spelling Alex Hornibrook through injury. He had only th- completed about 60% of his passes, had a similar stats touchdown interception ratio as Hornibrook with the five touchdowns, three interceptions, and he really struggled with fumbles. So I think a lot of people were expecting him to make a jump as the full-time starter, but I don't necessarily think a lot of people expected him to do as well as he did. Um, personally, I thought he had a, a tremendous year. I think he did enough to, to, kind of ease some of the pressure from people that that kind of doubted him. Um, But at the same time, I don't know if he necessarily um, surged far enough ahead that it's not going to be somewhat of a competition with Mertz just because of the talent level that he has. Yeah. And that's going to be the most interesting part is that, you know, there, there's always that situation. I think Jack is, is a safe, reliable quarterback. And I think again, you know, for a line of Wisconsin quarterbacks that the Badgers have had with, with Joel Stave and Alex Hornibrook, Jack Cohn was was pretty solid and definitely an improvement over Alex Hornibrook the, in the previous season. But you always it's going to be fascinating to watch as this kind of unfolds next year as to if he did enough to I think he did enough to be in the lead coming into both spring and fall practice. But like you said, I don't think he separated himself from a guy like Graham Mertz. But really, we haven't seen a lot of Graham Mertz. So what do you kind of make of, of his progression even though, you know, we've saw very limited action of him in 2019? Yeah. I mean, I kind of look back to fall camp. I think that was fairly indicative of what probably coaches saw in practices throughout the year. Saw a guy at the beginning of fall camp who, who looked out of sorts. He was trying to still get down the calls, trying to get down the offense, trying to really, you know, overthink things, trying to, because it was all mental at that point. And what we saw at the end of camp was he was starting to better understand the offense and just let it loose, let his arm talent kind of shine through. So I, I, th- I think I'm guessing because of the way that the staff has talked so glowingly about Mertz and kind of what they've seen from him in, in practice and in bowl prep, that he's a guy that they are unwaveringly, um, you know, think think highly of, I should say, and and we're ready to have him play against Iowa and in some other games if Jack Cohn was then able to go. And I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do this spring in, in that battle because I do expect um, both players to have the chance to get some reps. I think Chase Wolf will also be there, get some, get some time as well um, as a pretty dynamic athlete, um, kind of has a three-quarters release. But I, I think I – think Graham Mertz has his best football ahead of him, but I also think that Jack Cohn has his best football ahead of him, and and he had a really tremendous year. Um, so I'm I think that's going to be a fascinating battle to watch. Oh yeah, I think across the country there's there's quarterback competitions at at a lot of big programs, but Wisconsin's given the you know the hype of Graham Mertz, and I I wouldn't necessarily call it hype anymore because we've seen a little bit of him. You and I have seen practices and 
we've we've seen you know the coaches talking about his progression so he's clearly talented and and could get on the field but it's going to be fascinating to watch to see see how it starts to see where each guy goes and it's really not a bad thing to have two guys ready to go that that are going to be pushing each other to to get better and fight for that spot but it's just going to be really interesting to look into and, and try and figure out what what the offensive coaches are thinking and what Paul Chris is thinking because really you're not going to get a lot out of those guys they're they're pretty hush hush especially you know in the spring and and coming into the you know fall camp they're not going to name a starter they're just going to let guys work and work so how you, how it develops over these next few months is is really going to be important and fun to watch so I'm I'm incredibly excited if you had Let's say I, I'm going to pose a question for you. If you had a hundred dollars and you had to make a bet on who's going to be under center and the first snap of the first game next season, who would you put it on right now? Uh, Jack Cohn, and I'm probably going to run to the bank to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think Paul Christ has shown time after time that he values experience, um, and I think the team really trusts Jack Cohn. With when you're losing your top wide receiver. I mean, really two of your top four wide receivers um, in Quintus Cephas and A.J. Taylor. You're also losing your stud tailback in Jonathan Taylor. You're losing your starting center. You're losing some some talented, established players on the offense. So to then throw in a, a younger, inexperienced quarterback is going to be a lot. I, I think if anything happens, it would be more of a platoon situation where kind of like what we saw in 2016 where um, – you know, Bart Houston was the guy to start, but then you saw some Alex Hornibrook. It kind of went, went back and forth. Um, I, I think I think Wisconsin's definitely going to give Mertz some run. I don't think it's going to be something where he's going to be starting a lot of games, but I do expect to see him in packages, see him on the field at times because they're going to want to get him ready for. I mean, I would assume he's going to be the guy after Cone exhausts his eligibility. So I, I think it's going to be Cone. What do you think? Yeah, I would have to agree with you for for the same reasons you kind of mentioned. I think if you had if you had Quintus Cephas coming back and you had you know a healthy receiving core that's that's pretty experienced like you had this year and you had Tyler Biotish and, and a solid offensive line and you had Jonathan Taylor and the weapons around a guy like Graham Mertz, then I could see it. But when you're making so many changes off, it's it's going to be. I know fans probably don't want to hear it, people listening to this, but it'll be nice to have a reliable, you know, player out there that has played in games that isn't a brand new face because there's going to be some new faces at some key spots. So how that how that plays out after that is is up to the results on the field. But I think for that that reason alone, and and I think Jack probably did enough this past season, and obviously I have to keep doing keep doing more in spring and fall practice but I think as of right now if if you were if I'm a betting man which I am I'm I'm putting the hundred dollars on Jack Cohn to start game one and I I think it's hard unless unless the Graham Merch just blows it out of the water and be very well could you know that that jump from year one to year two is big but right now I think you'd have to let's say the Badgers start out three and one and the offense kind of struggles a little bit do you think that could be a situation where by game four or five that they would make a switch, or do you think it's it's going to be Jack Cohn for for the at least first chunk of the season? 
I think it would have to be, like I said, similar to 2016, where there's there's like a moment within a game where they yeah. need a jolt. They need something because it's just not clicking. Like maybe the first couple of games are a little chunky and they need a, they need a spark where they kind of throw him in there. And, you know, he lights the world on fire or he doesn't even need to light the world on fire. But instead, um, you know, puts the team in and demonstrates uh, an acumen to really throw the ball down the field, something that I think. Jack Cohn needs to continue to grow upon. Um, I, I think that's what it would take for for him to do it. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, we're three or four games in and, and let's put him in and, and do that. I think it's more of in the flow of a game, Paul Chris thinking, you know, I want to change something up mid-game, go with go with this guy, see what he can do to try to spark us, similar to what we, what we saw in 2016. I just think that's Chris' MO in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's that's probably – if it were to play out in, in that sort of scenario, I think that's the way it's going to happen. And, and you also have to consider the fact that next year's schedule, the first six games are, it's a pretty tough stretch of, of games. And, uh, you know, I can rattle it off for, for if anybody doesn't know, but the Badgers obviously open with Indiana that Friday night, uh, a cupcake in Southern Illinois. You should win that one handily. But then you've got an Appalachian State team that is, has been as consistent of a program at the you know group of five level as you can be. And then you go to Ann Arbor, and then you take on Notre Dame in Lambeau, and then you take on Minnesota. So to have a reliable hand in those first six games is going to be important. But at the same time, these are, those are going to be tough games you're going to have to win that you're not going to be able to afford to kind of like this year. You, you had games to work the offense and kind of work stuff in. You're not really going to have that next season because you're right out of the gate. Things are pretty tough. Yeah, they got a tough non-con and and you know obviously in in conference too really just the way they're starting it off. Um, but I think I think Mertz will see some time in that Southern Illinois game. But I do think it's Jack Cones to lose uh, unless something drastically changes. Um, just because I thought he did enough. You know, 70 percent completion percentage. 2,700 yards and 18 touchdowns, five interceptions. That's that's really good in the Big Ten. Uh, I, I I look at it as, if, would you have taken that at the beginning of this season? Like not oh, knowing what yeah. he was going to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we kind of, I remember we teed that up earlier in the, you know, I think it was the preview, one of our preview podcasts where we kind of threw out some numbers and said, would we take that out of Jack Cohen? And we both said yes. So, and looking at his stats, you have to be happy with it in the fact that the last few quarterbacks for Wisconsin, you haven't gotten, not necessarily the stats wise, but you haven't got as consistent of play from, from an Alex Hornibrooks or a Joel Stave who was, who was up and down all the time. So I, I would have signed up for it at the beginning of the season. How about yourself? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he threw for more yards um, than any quarterback in the last like four years. Um, he, he has also had a higher completion percentage, cut down interception and turnovers, which I think is was the big, huge thing that I think fans were really, really um, exacerbated by was just the, the chronicity to the interceptions that Alex Hornibrook, Joel Stave threw really hampered the team a lot of times. So for him to kind of cut that down to five and kind of have the year he did was was exceptional. I think I think fans should be excited about Jack Cohn. Do you think he's got another leap in him? I th- I think so. I mean, he, we saw a leap from from the last year and, and this year just by playing consistently and being the guy. And the team is obviously very open to, you know, Jack Cohn. And, and they see him as a leader. And everyone, I think, on the team this year was fully in support of him. And 
I think that 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 is important as you get going. So I'd have to say, yeah, but it's going to be interesting to watch how how he improves and how he gets forward. But we saw a leap from last year to this year. So you have to expect he seems like a hard worker that I would have to guess he would take another jump. But it'll be interesting to watch. What about you? What do you think? I think he's definitely capable of another leap. I think it's going to come down to can Wisconsin get some development in the wide receiver room? Obviously, Danny Davis, really talented player. Kendrick Pryor, really talented player. Behind those two, it's in, I mean, Jake Ferguson, too. I would be amiss to not bring him up as well. One of the best tight ends in the Big Ten. But behind them, you're going to have some guys who aren't nearly as proven after Cephas, who got by far the lion's share of the, the catches. So I, I'm, I think that's going to be uh, go a long way. I think if we see a drop-off in Jack Cohn's game, it might be because there isn't the weaponry around him that we saw from this past season, because I do think Cephas was the most important player on the Wisconsin team, uh, bar none. And outside of Jonathan Taylor, I should say. Um, but um, I think we might see a dropping off in him. But I also, like, if you look back to Cone's numbers, he had better numbers um, in across most statistical categories than than uh, Scott Tolzien had back in 2010, back in, tw- in 2009. So, I mean, a lot of people put Scott Tolzien's numbers in lower because he is a good benchmark for quarterback play. And he surpassed that in a lot of ways. Not quite the completion percentage, not quite the yards per attempt, which is where I think Jack Cohn needs to grow the most is his ability to stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but through more touchdowns, had those he had four rushing touchdowns. Um, so I, I think he had a great year. And I, I think the down the field passing is what Wisconsin needs to be able to hit on. And I think Danny Davis is a guy who could do that. Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to ask kind of the the phase of his game that you think will need to make a jump to, to help him improve. And I think you nailed it with that. And that's kind of what I was thinking too, of just being able to stretch the field. And and that's of course going to come down to the receivers in that room and, and guys developing outside of Jack Cones. You can't put it all on him, especially when most defenses in these past you know three seasons have been geared up for Jonathan Taylor and selling out for, for Jonathan Taylor, that might not happen as much this season. They might be more focused on the passing game because Wisconsin has not necessarily unproven running backs, but it's a pretty big question mark at that running back position too. Obviously, Nakia Watson is is probably the leader in the clubhouse right now, but down the stretch these last three games, you didn't see a lot of him. So how the how the offense in general develops is really going to be fascinating outside of Jack Cohn's development for me. Yeah, because I, th- I think it's going to be uh, imperative for, for him to have a good year. It's going to also have to be shouldered upon some of the wide receiver and um, specialist play around him because I think the offensive line will be in a good spot. I, I trust those guys. I trust Joe Rudolph's ability to um, develop the guys across the front. But then can they get an established running back and can they get some receivers that are going to be able to get open and catch the ball when they, when they have those opportunities. I think I, I trust Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor to have a, a decent season next year, but then behind them, can a guy like Taj Mustafa or AJ Abbott step up to, to get some of those, those catches or is Ken Chimre Dike or whoever is going to get involved, um, make some plays because there's going to be more catches around given the fact that Cephas isn't going to be there and Cone's got to throw the ball um, in order to make that the offense more uh, two-dimensional. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you when you think about it, obviously Quintus Cephas had a huge year, but he was clearly Jack Cohn's number one target and, and favorite guy to look for. So who steps into that role? It's probably, you hope, is going to be Danny Davis. Obviously he had a down year compared to his first two seasons, but somebody's going to have to fill that role and, and be that number one target. So that's going to be fascinating to watch, and it's probably going to either help or hinder Jack Cohn's development at the quarterback position around him. So it's it's a position that, you know, this offseason in terms of priority and, and how to watch or, or what, which, which position to pay attention to and watch and kind of be fascinated with, I think the quarterback position is, is probably number one and, and maybe 1A is running back, but you, you usually trust the, the development of the offensive line in the running back position. So I think the quarterback is going to be the position to watch as we roll into this 2020 season. Yeah, I, I think spring is going to be a, a lot of fun. I'm excited for fall camp as well to see kind of what these guys can do. I know both Jack Cohn, Graham Mertz are huge competitors. I know Chase Wolf is going to be around as a, and he's a very heady competitor as well. So they've got, they've got the guys in the room. It's just a matter of who's going to elevate their game and put themselves in a position to be that guy. Because if it turns out that Wisconsin doesn't have a running game, that's another area where I could see that Graham Mertz might get some run because his ability to, to spin it is, is a little more, uh, a little more uh, exciting than what Cone brings to the table at times. Um, granted, we've only seen, you know, whatever it was. I think it was like 12 practices and, right. uh, you know, 10 throws in game action. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was kind of thinking earlier, too, is that it, it's kind of develop. If the offense starts to struggle and you need to throw it more, then maybe that's a time where you could look for a change. But a lot of that's going to depend on on in-game stuff that you just can't dive too much into right now because there's so many superlatives that, that you just don't know as a fan and you don't want to start discounting or, or you know giving guys credit when you haven't seen you know the on-field products because there's so many different pieces from this. you know Coming into this season, there were a lot of familiar faces. There's going to be a lot of new faces in some, in some critical roles. So it'll be fun to watch and, and be interesting as fall practice and, of course, spring ball gets underway. Anything else with the quarterback position before we uh, cut ties here on another episode? No, I think I think it was just a, it's it's exciting. Wisconsin, I think, has one of the better quarterback rooms they've had in a long time. And it, it is I know fans are really clamoring, wanting a guy like Graham Mertz, somebody who can can really extend this offense and, and broaden it a bit. But uh, I think Jack Cohn is hasn't done enough to lose that position yet. I don't think he's done enough to etch it in stone that it's his, but I, I think Jack Cohn's in a good spot to make another nice leap. And I, uh, I still um, am really revving to see what uh, kind of a competition there is though, because I don't expect it to be something where Graham Mertz isn't getting a, a big amount of uh, um, attempts as well, because he is so extremely talented and he is your future quarterback likely. Absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to watch as the new season gets underway and I can't wait to see it. And obviously it's it, no, you know, competition isn't going to hurt anybody. So to have all those guys in the quarterback room working to get better and, and beat each other out is, is important this time of year. You don't have one guy that can just kind of sit back and, and rest on it, knowing that it's going to be their job. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch as the season gets underway. And, you know, obviously important one to pay attention to. That wraps up another episode of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We will be back later in the week 
to, of course, recap the Maryland basketball game, and then we'll get into another position. Uh, we're going to try and switch it up and not do quarterback, running back, receiver, and all that. So we'll probably do a defensive position next time out just to give you guys a little preview. And, and you know, that's kind of the same conversation we'll have for each position group as this offseason gets underway. Thanks again for listening, guys. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Wisconsin. Thank you.